Welcome to Here Come the Sequels, a full spoiler podcast where we take a look at popular film franchises one movie at a time. I'm Tyler. And I'm just asking the question. Is President Snow in these movies just old man James Bond? (laughs) Alright, follow my logic here. He gets tired of stopping world domination over and over again, defeating all these countless villains. And so he just decides one day, hey, I'm going to just do it myself. I mean, after all, as presented in the movie, his oldest rule is never let them see you bleed. It's pretty suspicious. I want no time to die. I'm in a mouth. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm Britain. And I I would also point out that Snow doesn't care what happens to that young woman. So maybe he is James Bond. Alex, Alex is starting to much like a uh, castaway on a deserted island may start to see anybody that they're stranded with as a piece of meat. Alex is starting to see other franchises as James Bond franchises, uh, <laughs> given he is starred for Bond content. Yeah, um, he, he's watching Designated Survivor and being like, "Oh, this is basically James Bond, right?" But Kiefer's James, right? But also, uh, Suzanne Collins does did write a, a, a prequel. Uh, that just recently released about President Snow. So I guess we have to we have to investigate here. We have to go see oh. if that tracks. I just have to imagine that the writers of this film, Peter Craig and Danny Strong, went back and for some reason watched The World Is Not Enough right as they were getting the assignment for this this movie. And they got to the scene where Q says, one of the lessons I taught you, which I never actually taught you, is never let them see you bleed. And they were like, that's gold. We'll use it. I'm very yeah. tired. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. uh, so we've hit the third of the four <laughs> Hunger Games films. Um, the Hunger Games Mockingjay Part 1, directed by Francis Lawrence from uh, 2014, looks like. Yes, 2014. Uh, it has a 68% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes and a 71% audience score. And both of those are pretty significant uh, drops from the last two films. So I'm gonna I'm gonna hop in here and uh, go ahead and, and bring up a new segment, which is Tyler Re- Tyler Reed's uh, bad Rotten Tomatoes reviews. Uh, and yes, <laughs> I am qualifying both the fact that the reviews are negative and the fact that I don't like them. Um, let's let's real quick do the uh, the stinger for this. Splat. Oh. <laughs> 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 um, so uh i'm gonna give away my hand here which is that i like this movie quite a bit um but first of all the crit- critics consistence critics consensus on rotten tomatoes is the hunger games mockingjay part one sets up the franchise finale with a penultimate chapter loaded with solid performances and smart political subtext though it comes up short on the action front <laughs> well yes <laughs> Now I'm going to use reviews. I will say the top critics on this movie, a lot of them are gave it a, a fresh rating, and a lot of them are like, yeah. "Wow, this is you know really interesting. This actually gets into some cool stuff." We'll talk about it. We'll talk about our opinions on the movie. But um, my uh, my audience reviews here: three stars. Mockingjay Part One seems to be a placeholder for the final movie. It is okay. Katniss is still saving the day, and President Snow is still the bad guy. But the movie <laughs> seems to fall short on content. <laughs> 
I don't know if saving the day is really what Katniss's whole deal was. Uh, you know what I was really disappointed by? At the end of The Dark Knight, Joker was still the bad guy, and <laughs> Batman was still the good guy. I was yeah. just, I, I, I couldn't handle it. Honk it didn't shoe. subvert my expectations enough. Derivative. Um, <laughs> because it's the setup piece to the exciting conclusion, this is a three-star review, because it's the setup piece to the exciting conclusion, it's the least of the th- first three films with less moderate action and very talky. The action is acting is still good enough to make you watch the film, and I am more than ready to see this story conclude this November. Um, and then the the last good one, three and a half stars. The Hunger Games Mockingjay Part One is an okay movie. The acting in this movie is good. The plot is okay. The suspense in this movie is amazing. Although there are some points in this movie where nothing much is going on. Towards the end of the movie, The Hunger Games Mockingjay Part One starts to get really exciting. The ending wasn't wasn't that interesting. I'm excited to see the finale movie, The Hunger Games Mockingjay Part 2, coming out soon. I agree with RottenTomatoes.com and give The Hunger Games Mockingjay Part 1 a 6.5 out of 10. Do you think (laughs) The internet was a mistake. Do you think that, like, most of the audience reviews for, like, movies specifically like this that are based on YA novels come from kids doing, like, an extra credit project in, like, sixth grade of, like... Uh, post your review for the movie on Rotten Tomatoes. Show me the the screenshot of it, and I'll give you like five bonus points on the next quiz. I, I Maybe. think I think I that was... is a generous read on where these are coming from. I have a feeling that's yeah, I, just not the, the way case. it was. Just like the 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 Hunger Games Mockingjay Part One was an okay film. Yeah. I am excited for the Hunger Games <laughs> Mockingjay Part Two. Like. We have to make it as long as possible, so literally every time you're you're stating the movie as a subject, you no, know, write that title all the way out, <laughs> all the way. <laughs> See, I, I was also imagining these reviews being uh, punctuated with big draws of Capri Sun, but not from kids. <laughs> um, I was gonna say that that Capri Sun when it set back down on the on the or when maybe when it was tossed into the pile with its shattered brethren it is sweatier somehow than when it began <laughs> and maybe that's just me having a, a, a an outdated opinion of people who write movie reviews on the internet i'm gonna say so, an outdated done, opinion so of people who drink uh capri sun um yeah that's true sorry but yeah i mean i'm a kool-aid jammers guy listen if i'm gonna pick a team not bad right I'm next not. to the capri sun is just like piles and piles of empty goldfish <laughs> bags <laughs> pretty much um yeah, I uh, I saw those because I was just curious, uh, and I was frustrated because uh, people's brains are broken about movies. Um, yeah, and I blame uh, YouTube mostly. Yeah. Um, Look, at least you didn't use one that said Mary Sue anywhere. That I is, think we can call that true. That is, it is true. interesting, and they were the, excited the, about the sequels. So I, you know, yeah, you know, all of those reviews basically said the movie did exactly what it was supposed to do, and that <laughs> is fine. The movie fulfilled its obligations. <laughs> 6.5 out of 10. <laughs> when I applied my third person critical eye to this. It's the moviest movie I ever movied. <laughs> Oofa doofa. I will the say Hunger that does... Games part one Mockingjay is full of film playing for <laughs> two hours and 15 minutes. It reminds me of the 1995 film. 
Jurassic Park. I wasn't in 95. Um, I wasn't born yet. Sorry, I don't know. Uh, so in an attempt to try and uh, lead that back into actual discussion about the movie, I can I can probably go first. Um, with, with Swing Festival away, thing. Merle. Let's do this. Okay. Signs. <laughs> You know Britain what? is pointing around the room to non-existent people. Um, you don't know what's outside of this frame. Mm. <laughs> okay, yeah, you do. You know me. <laughs> uh, my my best thing about this film, um, I it, it's tough because there's a lot of things I really like, and I I don't want to just say the dialogue, um, mm. because there there it's more specific than that, um. Yeah, I'm just going to say the dialogue. Uh, <laughs> I think th- there are so many great conversations in this movie, and the movie is a lot of conversations. It's a lot of people trying to make their worldview work when they're trying to start a revolution um, mm-hmm. and, and trying to connect on approaches to this thing. And I think that was just fascinating. Um, I I love... I, I was thinking about just saying Plutarch is my favorite thing in this. Yeah, um, yeah. Because everything, every time he's involved in a discussion, you know, he clearly, we know what he wants. He wants this revolution to work. He's he's trying to help. He's trying to, um, you know, figure out what the, the best next steps are for them to succeed. Um, but he is constantly just a little bit at odds with everyone that he's talking with in terms of how to go about this. Like President Coyne, a lot of the time he is going back and forth and saying, they they have the great conversation where uh, he's like, oh, you need to give the room a little oxygen so that people will, will listen more and be, you know, give 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 the rebellion a spark that will light the fire, <laughs> that will yeah. burn the capital down. Um, and then Coin's like, well, if you give them too much oxygen, um, you'll end up smothering the room. It's something like that. There, yeah. There's a good metaphor in there. I promise it worked in the movie. Um, and then at the end, she does end up having kind of more flowery speech that Plutarch clearly wrote for. Her she goes with it um and and i think a lot of this centers on coin uh just being a great character for other ones to mount other people to bounce off of and also someone mm-hmm. who does grow throughout throughout this film because she's arguing with katniss a lot about like oh you know you don't make demands here because this is a democracy we're trying to figure out how to stage this and and not recreate the capital um and so they're having disagreements on katniss's demands about the previous victors being okay and like being rescued and everything um, and there's just, there's so many conversations about, like, this is a political movie. Like it's a, mm-hmm. it's a movie that is about yeah. revolution and how to stage that and how it's hard and how it's hard to have, uh, different people with different ideas of what that looks like coming together to make that happen. Um, and ultimately what still makes them different from the oppressors. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I was just fascinated. Like I was enthralled the entire time I was, I, I couldn't get enough of it. Um, and I remember enjoying this a lot in theaters and also being confused by the fact that it was kind of a, a muted critical reception. Um, but yeah, the, I mean, this time around, I I once again loved it. And I think it's a really fascinating movie. I do understand ultimately why general audiences didn't really connect with it. I get that it is because it's not. I I feel like it's the kind of movie that like in some of those reviews we're talking about, it's like, oh, it's filler or it's talky and it's, it's sure. you know, they're just stalling time. They just had to make a part one to make uh, more money 
uh, that that's why they split up the movie. I think the movie justifies itself perfectly. Yes. Um, and I might feel different. Maybe in the second one, I'll be like, oh, this is too short or there's too much going on here that they could have made it one movie. Um, but I think this movie is so much more than just exposition. Um, and it tells you so much about the world and about the characters uh, and just really gets you invested in them trying to do this thing that is looks really, really difficult and continues to prove to be very, very difficult um, as they keep trying to kind of tackle the new obstacles that President Snow is putting in their way. Uh, yeah, I... I don't know. I we'll talk about specific stuff and and things we like in particular, but there's there's so much in this movie that is just about how to present yourself politically and how to use branding. I mean, they're they're constantly like so much of the movie the focus is making propaganda films. Um yeah. both for the people inside the rebellion and also for everyone else living in the in Panem. Um and how PETA is being used as propaganda propaganda against them and yeah, it, I think that's super cool. I think that's such an interesting thing for them to dump a, a good bit of money into for it. Yeah, you know, a movie that uh, theoretically should just be a a big franchise blockbuster, um, and there really isn't like a ton of action. I mean, there there's stuff. There's some cool stuff. I, I love Katniss shooting down the bomber, um, mm-hmm. or multiple bombers because she it's it's a pretty neat shot and she gets one on the wing clips it and it knocks in the other one it's good stuff there there's some there's some good stuff they use the budget well when they when they do really flex it um but like yeah i don't know i i think this is a fascinating movie to have been presented as like yep this is the next follow-up to the big blockbuster um and there's so much more nuance going on than like any other ya adaptation i mean even the harry potter films you know like Harry Potter films, they, they I, I love the books, not the movies, but the, the story of Harry Potter is very much lo- love will triumph over evil, and Voldemort <laughs> is very evil, and Harry is very good. Um, yeah. And Twilight is <laughs> whatever. <laughs> Put up into that. But uh, yeah, this this is just so like this is this is about politics. Like that's what the, that's the focus of the movie. It's it's about politics and personalities and that's amazing to me um i'll stop rambling because i could gush over it for a while um i think my worst thing kind of tying in with that is that i don't think we see enough of what's going on outside of the the rebellion and outside of i mean we really don't see much in the capital either um the glimpses we get are usually pretty cool because we get mm-hmm. uh the i think it's in district five when they blow up the dam in a sequence that yes. I really, really like, uh, and that destroys the power to the Capitol, and we get to see this, what I think is a really cool sequence of lights going off in the Capitol, yeah. and, and, like, the fountains turn off, the people are walking around, and they're all, everyone's just silent, and it's like, wait, what? <laughs> what what just happened? Like, we see a shot of the skyline, and everything's dark, and Snow's, like, upset about this. I think there's a shot of Snow sitting at his desk, and the lights go out, and there's this big chandelier, and it's it's well-framed, it looks cool. And I wanted that scene to be even longer. Like, I kind of wanted there to be more shots of just the Capitol being like, oh, crap. Some, some, somehow they have affected us in here. Yeah. Um, and I think similarly, I would have liked to see more of their reactions to, like, the propaganda videos that are being sent out, things like that. I don't think we get quite enough of that um, in such a way that it builds up to, you know, them blowing up the dam, that it builds up to uh 
them breaking into the actual capital lines to broadcast their messages. Um, that kind of comes out of nowhere because we don't really set up that we don't, I don't think we successfully establish who this is all playing to and who they're reaching out to and who's kind of listening. Um, so yeah, I, I would have liked to, I think I mentioned this in the last episode too, how there's not a lot of going back to the districts to see how people are reacting to the, those hunger games. Um, and similarly, I would have liked to see more of people, more of an understanding of how people are on the ground with mm -hmm. everything that's going on, because obviously it's a time for turmoil and a lot of people are caught up in like actual revolution. Um, so yeah, I would have liked to see some more of that, but, uh, overall was, was very happy with it. Somebody go next. Yeah, I can, um, I can go off of that. I, I, I definitely agree. My, um, best and worst thing are the same thing. Ooh. Uh, with a little Double addendum header. that my actual worst thing might be that they call them propos. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> don't don't do that. <laughs> just say promos or propaganda. We just don't do it. Come on. Um, they really they that, really should have pulled and gone for. Oh crap! What's the? There's a a Russian word for propaganda films specifically. Look it up. Continue. Um. <laughs> And I and I I'm, I'm I think I made a dig in the last episode or one of the last episodes about how all the silly names. I did not realize that the characters. I mean, but for the characters like uh, Joanna or something, their names are either ancient Greco Greco Roman names, um, like Snow's name is Coriolanus Snow, or they're named after plants. Uh, apparently, Katniss is a kind of plant. Huh. Um, so mea culpa. My my best and worst thing is really just the pros and cons of this being part one of two. Because um, it's interesting watching this movie as part three of a series, as well as being part one of the end of a series. And I think that the pro of that is we get... Because, okay, well, backtrack. The first two movies and the back two movies, from what I understand, are very, very different. Like, the first two movies are both about, we're in these districts, there's a Hunger Games, and in very different contexts, how do we prepare for those games and then survive them? And then it's a hard switch into the, the, the denouement, if you will. And I and so for the, and having not read the books, that makes sense to me that you would have two books that are, again, not identical, but similar, and then really switch it up for the third, for the finale. And then for the movie, that's going to be split half and half. So a lot of this is under the umbrella of I'll see how I feel after the fourth one. Sure. Um, but I, I think that I really like having this amount of setup before going into the finale. Because I think if they had tried, and have you not, not read the book, if they had just thrown me into District 13, there's all these new characters. We have this whole new goal. We're in a revolution. There's all these steps to it. Pete is over here. Are we going to get him back? Is he evil or not? What happened? Joanna got a haircut. What are we going to do about all of this? And doing all of that in one movie, I think would have been way too much. And you would have missed so many things. And what I liked about this movie is that leaving it, I was like, well, now I know where we. I, I, now I hopefully will be able to fully appreciate the finale better, because I know who all these people are. So whatever decisions they make in the end, whatever happens to them or doesn't happen, I will have a better appreciation for that because I'll have spent some time marinating in and where we are. 
that we get to really identify District 13, identify Coin and Boggs and uh, Cressida and all this. Um, I think all of that is is really useful to me. And and like you said, I like that this franchise went, you know, whatever the motivations for splitting them up financially, I like that they said, but let's use this first one to, we, we don't need to pretend that it's more of an action fest than it is. Like, let's make this about getting the audience to understand who these people are. Let's use this to actually live in some of this political commentary we've been in some cases flirting with and in some cases very directly dealing with mm-hmm. in the past two movies. Let's let's really just do that for a movie. I think that's a bold choice for a YA blockbuster movie, especially in its third installment. Like that's a that's a pretty good it's pretty good. It's it's a risk, but it's an admirable risk. <clears throat> so I like that this movie set me up so nicely for for the finale, which I'm assuming is you know gonna be big and big and silly, uh, big and bonkers. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I don't know about silly. From what yeah, I remember, silly, yeah. Um, Katniss is just running around. She's got like a, a Blu-ray set of all all the movies. She's got all the books too, and she's like, "Some days you just can't get rid of a Hunger Games." <laughs> <laughs> she's shooting Nerf arrows at everybody. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and also, then, so, uh, I did identify that the word I was looking for was agitprop. Uh, oh, is like okay. Apparently, it's not specifically film. I thought it was, but still, I would no, have appreciated. Propo sounds way better. <laughs> I think. <laughs> all right, propo. all right, fine. Agit Propo. Propo. <laughs> Propo sounds like a clown with a lot of accoutrement that he uses <laughs> in his bits. I'm Propo the clown. Propo the Marxist clown. Um. <laughs> yes, Propo. He needs he needs all of community's tools to do comedy. <laughs> Punchline happens when all work together. What is that? What that country's about? Britain doesn't know. Um, the <laughs> the con. Of, of it being a a uh, part one of two is that it did feel like a hard switch. And I, I don't agree with like the tone of some of those reviews about quote, nothing happened. Cause I do not think nothing happened. I think this movie moves along and we are constantly going forward. And if we are not moving the plot forward, we are, we are either getting deeper or going further constantly throughout the movie. And that's, I'm all about that. Um, but it it did just feel so different from the pre maybe so maybe, maybe my 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 worst is just a matter of like it felt so different which is not a bad thing it's supposed to but i i feel yeah. like it it felt a little this one was the easiest to look away from for me mm. of of the three so far that said i still watched it in one sitting i still really liked it this is not going to get a low grade from me but um this one just felt very different it didn't have the kind of dread that the first two did or not the same type of dread um it didn't have the same type of suspense for me, but I think that was all because it was setting up. So I think it's one of the things like it lost some of the appealing factors of the previous two movies in exchange for we have other things we're going to do and do them well. And we're going to set up something that you will be able to get properly invested in when we, when we finish this whole thing off. Um, and I think they, again, I haven't read the book, so maybe if I had, I would feel like, oh, you should have uh, cut it here instead of here and have it here and have it. I think this makes perfect sense for a place to end that movie. I think it really works. I would have really respected the movie if they had ended it after Mahershala bashed him a pita over the head. <laughs> if they had done that and then it said directed by Francis Lawrence, which Just, I think was the plan at one point. Was it really? <laughs> um, I think there was, I, I read that there was, I, I think that was the idea. And then they were like, that may not be a good idea. Let's put in the thing that Peta's 
okay. Just do I that actually, and then... I actually remembered the movie ending that way. Like, the shock yeah. of, oh, Peter's trying to kill her in that little yeah. uh, scuffle. I remember yeah. that being the ending of the movie, and, and it's not. It goes on for, like, another five minutes, but yeah. Sure. But I would have been, like... And it, it, maybe if I were watching it in the theater at the time, I would have been like, what? But now, in my, like, when a few a few mornings ago when I watched this, I was like, that would have been amazing if it just <laughs> ended it right there. I would have had so much respect he, for the instant he hits him, It cuts Francis Lawrence, and then it's just, are you? Are you? Coming to the truth. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> it would have been real good. You're oh right. Oh, my God. That, and yeah. then you, and then there's... They don't even do the thing where they show the Mockingjay thing morphing at the end of the credits. Mm-hmm. We all just have to sit there and go, okay, <laughs> I guess see you again in a year. Because it's not even like, that's not even like an Infinity War thing where, you know, no, you're all just no. sitting there in silence like, oh my gosh, did that just happen? What, you know, what's going on? Uh, yeah. You're just like, what? <laughs> okay. Cool, oh, I guess. Here we go. Yeah. So I thought that would have been awesome. Um, but yeah, I think it ultimately works that it's part one, but eh, there are a couple of downsides for me, but Although, nothing, no new I, capping. I have just now considered what if Infinity War ended like as Thanos snapped and that was just like, it went oh. to white and then you just <laughs> cut into the movie. It's like, Whoa. okay. Dang. <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't have had quite the same punch, I guess. Probably not. <laughs> Alex. Uh, I'm going to kind of mirror what you guys are saying uh in terms of the best thing i'll just say uh political shenanigans Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh i like that the movie doesn't shy away from the political stuff and and we're kind of keeping that as a through line um which you know makes me respect these movies so much more just as accurate representations of the books yeah you know they do trim out details here and there but overall the the spirit and the tone and and kind of the the character work and what the movie's getting at like all that's there that was in the books um i love i love all the conversations just kind of like sitting down and discussing okay how how do you run a revolution Mm -hmm. (laughs) um and and kind of having the the kind of dueling scenes of snow reacting to certain things and him planning planning stuff out versus um you know coin and and plutarch and and katniss uh i like that counterbalance and seeing both sides because once again that's not something we get in the books it's all told from katniss's perspective um, so that's a bit different uh i like <laughs> i like the detail that snow really doesn't have a whole lot of people in his corner like he doesn't mm-hmm. have any advisors anymore because he, he uh he killed one and then uh the other one was just like oh hey i'm gonna go get you some some snow cones or whatever and then he left <laughs> <laughs> he has a yeah. uh w- one of the random guys who pops up in this is I believe the villain of Heroes season four. Oh wow! Yeah, like that's a, true. Yes. And some Wait, sort, I cannot remember Robert Nepper. Yeah, that sounds right. Oh, I'm, I'm trying to figure out. Yeah, I think I think you are correct. Uh, huh. He's also in Twin Peaks: The Return a little bit. Oh, um, not even of course a little he bit. is. He's a, he's a decent role. Yeah, <laughs> you know, as as one does. <laughs> um. But yeah, I really, really just enjoyed like everything political about this movie, and and the fact that so much of the movie, it, it's not really, yeah, it's not really about the action scenes. It's about like setting up propaganda, mm-hmm. um, which is interesting. How you know normally propaganda is used as like a very dirty word, and people are mm-hmm. like, oh, propaganda, propaganda. It's just manipulation. But this movie kind of weighs the pros and cons of like, well, sometimes you have to use something like that to kind of push forward a noble cause, right. like. 
we have to sufficiently motivate all of these districts, even the ones that are kind of cozy with the capital. We have to get them to side against snow. Uh, so I, I think all of that is just very thoughtfully done and just a lot smarter than, than, you know, most Hollywood mm-hmm. blockbusters are about any subject matter, not just revolutions and propaganda. Um, that being said, I think of the three of us, it sounds like I'm the one who most feels like this movie has a lot of problems in terms of feeling stretched out. Um, I feel like this is, and you know, to, to Britain's point, it really does hinge on the last movie. I've only seen it once on TV with commercials, so (laughs) I didn't get the full experience. So I'll need to watch that and it'll be interesting watching them together. Mm -hmm. Um, back to back uh but i did feel like this one was half a story stretched out to fulfill (laughs) a a full two-hour runtime um there were certain scenes where i was going you can trim that you can cut that i do appreciate that the movie is trying to let stuff breathe and and you know once again to britain's point kind of living with the characters but i was noticing things um in terms of you could have cut that you could have easily cut that the fact that the opening of the movie is Katniss showing up at District 12 and seeing what's going on there. And then later we show back up there to shoot one of the propos and and Gail is kind of recounting what happened and, and him, yeah. you know, feeling guilty about not being able to save more people and all that. I feel like we could have just had that second District 12 scene be the District 12 scene. Um, so that, that was kind of the big thing that I noticed. There were a couple of other... Uh, minor bits here and there um but i do almost feel like this if i feel the same way about the second film i do wonder if i'll end up being feeling that you guys could have made this like a three hour three hour 15 movie and and just called it you didn't need to split it up um i do wonder if that's how i'm gonna feel Hmm. but that's that's kind of my my impression watching this movie i have a feeling well no, I'm not gonna. I was gonna try and say speculate on the fourth one, but I really don't remember much of it that well, except for like the very, like the last like thirty minutes of it. So, yeah, I'll be curious to see. I'm not sure. Um, and I will say something for, in, ter- in terms of talking about letting it letting things breathe. I think the movie, uh, is hurt a little bit by not having a great, maybe not even great is the right word, not having a strong visual style, because. Mm. I think at times it's trying to harken back to the Hunger Games shakiness a little bit from the first movie. And then at times it's kind of just sitting there, which is fine for a lot of the movie because a lot of the movie is just people talking like we're, you know, we we just need to be able to effectively communicate who's talking and why and, and and kind of the geography of the scene. Um, But talking about, again, for example, that uh, capital scene where all the lights go out, I think there is definitely room for there to be more, to to give even more time actually to let things breathe and really like soak in and have an impact because otherwise it does sometimes feel like it's it's hitting beats and moving along um it wasn't enough for me to really be bothered by it but i definitely think i would (laughs) you know really i think the biggest thing the movie's missing is not being directed by chloe Zhao. uh that's (laughs) you know I feel like you could say that about most. Movies. I know, that's not a joke. <laughs> but I do think there there was room for there for instead of doing like lots of jumps 
around this scene. Just do a do a big nice cut. Do it. Do a nice long. Let let us see what's happening in one image and sit there for a second. Um, I think there's a little bit of that to be said, and I think that probably hurts the ability of the movie to get across that it's a very uh, introspective film. Sure. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do wonder because because one of the big things that I noticed visually with the first two. Um, there, there's, and this is obviously intentional. There's supposed to be a huge contrast between District 12 or any of the mm-hmm. other districts, and then once we get to the capital, it's bright, it's colorful, it's crazy. Even when we get into the games themselves, and this is accentuated in the the second film, um, like it's it's super like vibrant and colorful. And this one, because we're stuck in kind of the the more war torn districts for most of the movie, or we're right. just underground in District 13. It's just kind of gray, which I think, you know, I keep going back to Britain's points, but I think that also kind of hurt in terms of like, I could look away every once in a while. (laughs) I wasn't like as tied to the screen as I was, at least with the second film. I had my problems with the first one, but um, yeah, it's just not visually like it's, it's well shot. It's, it's perfectly competent, but I think just by virtue of the story being told, it's less interesting. Hmm. Yeah, I can definitely see that. And I think that when you're going to have a movie that takes place in a... Well, and this is... <laughs> every movie benefits from being shot well, obviously. <laughs> but particularly when you're dealing with a movie that has fewer locations or locations that don't seem as aesthetically pleasing, it's really important to have directors who know how to frame that space and yeah. explore it and make it more interesting and and i think francis lawrence of the now two movies i've seen of his competent director mm-hmm. i did not know he was an extremely prolific music video director um apparently he directed the videos for bad romance and mm. cry me a river i think something beyonce skater boy by avril lavigne oh yeah which oh we've hit the big time now is that the video where she, they're hanging out at the beginning and avril says do you guys want to go crash the mall <laughs> because what if what if at the beginning of maybe the propo should have been Katniss going hey do you guys gonna go crash the capital <laughs> oh, I was gonna say so what's the next phase of your master plan crushing the small <laughs> President Snow you're making things way too complicated well so much for my happy ending so that's what the propo was missing. It was Jennifer Lawrence on a skateboard. Oh my god! You know, <laughs> would have had you uh, would have had all of the districts on your side in five seconds. I, I was about to say, can Jennifer Lawrence play Avril Lavigne in the inevitable biopic? I don't actually think that should should be, and I don't know who should do it. And now I will have only half a brain for the rest of this podcast <laughs> as I devote the process. As I, tip, I tip the other side of my brain into spinning leaf to figure out who should be cast. Who should be cast as a. Uh, avril um but but all this said i think that you having a, your chloe Zhao's, your corey Daz, your kelly reicharts to be like okay let's just like how do we really draw out what, what's there that said i think it is helped by having these really wonderful actors mm-hmm. uh julianne moore I, I really liked yeah. in this uh she's always great and i really really liked and this is going to lead to a larger bit of praise for the story in general I really liked that she wasn't a flawless leader mm. that we didn't meet her. And we're like, 
oh, you're everything. You're the best thing ever. We're just like, oh, you're definitely better, but she's not a great order. You know, she doesn't get up there and, like, command the room. She's having to check her notes, and she's quiet. And she, there are definitely points where you're like, oh, I don't dislike you, but I do think Plutarch has a point. And like you said, it's people discussing ideas. And I like that this movie doesn't have a a messianic figure. Mm -hmm. That there's a whole arc in this movie about how Katniss isn't, what is it doesn't have mass appeal and that's that's part and that's a part of that's a flaw but like that's a that's a an angle to that character you don't normally get and i think a lot of stories not just imitators of this kind of story it's it's all archetypes and i don't mind archetypes but i mind shallow characters when when you when we're supposed to be invested in them and this movie doesn't have those our romantic heroes are Peta and Gale, and Gale is maybe as archetypical as a character gets in this sure. in this story, um, as if, as far as our major characters. But like, in so many stories, Coin, President Coin would be, you know, Jed Bartlett from West Wing or something. She would just be this iconic, beautiful, yeah. like you are an amazing leader, and, and every <laughs> single thing you say and do is right. And they'd kill her off at the end of this movie, and it'd be like, Katniss, you have to, you have to, yeah, exactly. You have to take, you have to take the rebellion where it needs to go. Right. Like, rebellions you, are built on hope. We have you to have create. have to be the Hunger Games Mockingjay Part One. <laughs> there must be a new title, not the president. You shall be an Ever Dean. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I think that that I, I just really like that <laughs> Suzanne Collins wrote, and then they aptly adapted a character who is still very much a human. That I understand why she's in that position of power, but that she's not someone who's like that. That she still has people she needs to say, "Well, what should we do?" And I don't know about this, and maybe this doesn't work. And yeah. um, I think it's just so well done. I I think that just effectively speaks to the world building that she does yes. in her books. Um, yeah. Because the idea is that District 13, like, they haven't been in open rebellion. It was a secret that they even existed, and they've just been surviving underground for years. So, yeah, yeah, it makes sense that their leader would not be super charismatic or really know how to approach. Like, we need to convince everyone on the outside to join our cause. Like, I I don't know. Like, it's just perfectly logical in the way it's laid out. And, you know, that, that comes straight from the books. Yeah, I I am really excited to read these books because there are so many things that I love about these movies that I know come directly from her. Yeah, that, that just are so woven into it. And I, I also just I, I don't know when the best time to mention it is. I'm gonna say this movie is funny in a way the previous mm-hmm. two movies weren't, but kind of in the way that Dark Knight is funny, where you yeah. don't think that Dark Knight is a funny movie, but then you watch it and you're like, oh right, there are several like jokes in this that really work. Right. And this movie has uh, at least two that don't break the tone or anything, but just I thought were really effective. One is when Katniss comes to uh, Julianne Moore and is like, I want I'm, I'm going to be your Mockingjay, but I have some conditions. And, it, and she pulls out this crumpled sheet of paper that she's written, this very formal, we're going to go rescue PETA and we're going to do this and you must help me and da 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 da. So then they have their little discussion of it, and then Coin says, or, do you have any other conditions? And Lawrence looks at the paper and then goes, my sister gets to keep her cat. And that's the end of the <laughs> yeah, scene. It's a great delivery a cut. Wonderful but, delivery. Yeah, yeah. And then it's the scene where they're filming the propo, and uh, 
Katniss is really bad at it. I thought that scene was so funny. I had a big smile on mm-hmm. my face the whole time. This great three-person comedy bit of Lawrence and Hoffman and Elizabeth Banks. And it was and then Woody a- Harrelson walks in. <laughs> and then you stand up and in. applaud. Yeah. Oh, it he's was, back! <laughs> it was just this, like... One I liked that part of the move the this movie was about making a movie. I thought that was mm-hmm. kind of that was kind of cute. I had no idea that Natalie Dormer's character was a director. I thought she was a mercenary or someone. But I thought that that whole scene is so funny. Where Jennifer Lawrence is like, "People of of Pan Am, we must rise and and be one and take down the Capitol." Like, okay, try it again. And she starts just like screaming. <laughs> it was such a great performance of like i love watching actors play bad actors yeah you know what i mean like uh, bill Hader does that on barry and there's probably other examples um but i thought lawrence really sold that and watching this i was like all right jennifer lawrence is a really funny performer have any other movies tapped into that effectively <laughs> maybe silver Linings playbook i don't remember um but yeah i just thought that scene was so funny and it was just it, it was it was a great way to then later led into this great conversation about like when are the moments? Because I think it was, is it? No, it's Haymitch is saying, when were the moments that Katniss moved you? When are the, what are the things mm-hmm. about her that made you believe in her? And they, they walk you through it and he goes, yeah, she was doing that by herself. And so that was, that was, that was an interesting, like watching the creative process roll out within, in the context of this political thing. I just thought all of that was, was really, really good. Yeah. Um, I agree. And I like the <laughs> fact that uh, there's also a good joke in there where um, I forget who says it. It might be uh, Boggs, Mahershala Ali's character, who I, I hope he gets more to do in the next one. I don't remember. Same. Um, Same. He's fun whenever he like is doing anything in this movie, but he's kind of in the background. Um, yep. But I, I believe he gets the line that is like, wipe the... Uh, crap off her face you made her look 35 she's a kid (laughs) yeah yeah that's a good one um and i think jennifer lawrence or katniss is a good performance because i think she smiles or like she Mm -hmm. she kind of smirks at that um yeah it's and and later on also um we get finnick giving a spiel and talking (sighs) about which is crazy and different and also um is like it's great to, to have him be able to get on in front of a camera and effectively do a thing because yeah. he's been around he's been you know in the capital and and in the the rich districts and like he is you know mm. this is this is what he uh it does is kind of like put on a presentation and then of course he starts talking about how uh president snow sold him out and his body and uh also snow uses uh, yeah. poison all the time and has horrible hives in his mouth from all the uh yeah the the antidotes he's had to take uh yeah I, it's I a lot i really loved that i i really loved that because and i and i guess i, I said that it didn't have the bleakness of the, or had a different kind of bleakness that was a very like stultifying moment for me where mm-hmm. i was like oh finnick is just like revealing that he's been prostituted as mm-hmm. a result of his victory that like you never stop being a slave to this. And that is such a dark thing, but it's such an effective tool. And I like that they just sort of mention it. So if you, if you catch it, you catch it. And if you don't, you're, you're fine. Yeah. But I was like, that's so dark, but yeah, that's so makes like, that makes perfect tonal sense. And that's a, a nice little thing. And I, I like that it was a man who said it. Mm-hmm. 
as well that he was like hey look you know we, we i am also even though i am a conventionally handsome man i'm still a victim of this and i was a victim of these non-consensual things like i thought that was all really effective and yeah that was very like <sighs> and i just like that finnick got a moment to like confront his own demons yeah um and we get this glimpse that he's not that like because we, we see obviously how this affects katniss and haymitch and it was nice to see another past winner vent their own demon vent like air out their own mm-hmm grievances and stuff that like this has terrible effects on people i I, I thought that was really good just in general and i liked how effie was used in this i thought that was that was nice um i think in the book she's not in it very much and there are like two other stylist characters who come in and she that sounds right and they like use which i think is a smart idea to just keep get more out of elizabeth banks um yeah and in some funny ways but also that like she is saying like we're a team, like we're a part of this, you know. I, I, I that she is involved and that she has the the design from Senna. I think is is very meaningful. There's also a good joke with her where she's in her room and uh, she's like ac- ac- accusing Plutarch of like keeping her locked down here, and he, and he's like, "See this door? It opens from the inside. You're not you're not a yeah. prisoner. Like you know, I know you know you don't like it here, but we're." We're trying to reach out. And then they have they have a great conversation after that um, where they're kind of fighting about whether or not she should help with Katniss. And it results sort of in Plutarch convincing her to help by making her mad that he would replace her. Yeah. <laughs> like he, he plays it very well to get her to join. Um, yeah. It's a good thing. Mm. Yeah. Good Hoffman thing. is... I almost said Hoffman for my best thing. He's mm-hmm. so good in this. And I... I did they film parts one and two simultaneously? I think so. I okay. that yeah. I'm I'm honestly not sure. It might have okay. been back to back. Because well, because the did... movies came out in 2014 and 2015, right? So it yeah. had to have not been a crazy. I feel like the only other times we've done that on this podcast, where or we've seen that on this podcast, are movies that were filmed back to back. Unless it's yeah. like maybe some of the Bond movies. Um, sure. Because I, I, if, if this, if some of this movie were filmed after his death, I couldn't tell. <laughs> um, no, I'm I'm pretty sure that the, the next one is where they had to kind of yeah work work around things work around it yeah because I know and I know a lot of it was just they gave his lines to other actors um and that's something that you know obviously we'll we'll see how they handle it. it's it's a weird thing to to assess a movie on but mm-hmm. like we'll see how that is done yeah. Um, okay. Cause there, there were, maybe just cause I was thinking about it. Maybe there were a few points where I was like, Oh, I wonder why like Mahershala said that line when Plutarch could have said it. And I went, Oh, I wonder if that was one of the moments. Um, but they could have also just been like, let's give Mahershala more to say. Cause he's great. Yeah. Um, yeah. One of the things I like the most about the movie is that they don't shoehorn in some stupid contrivance for Katniss being involved with the, uh, rescuing of the, yeah. the tributes at the end yeah um because i feel like they could have easily done that where she's like no i have to i have to join and she sneaks on the ship mm-hmm. to, to go rescue them yeah. and, and there's a huge action scene i like how it's all played from the control room and it's just we keep mm-hmm. cut we cut to finnick telling his story and we're cutting to, to back with with uh mahershala and, and gail as they're they're 
you know, zip lining in Call of Duty style to go <laughs> yeah. go save everyone. I, I had a really... little wide shot there that was like 2014 Godzilla where they're mm-hmm. coming into the yes into the, on the building. It was nice. I really respect that they didn't go like super schlocky, dumb Hollywood blockbuster with that ending. Like, and, and maybe this this would have worked better for some people. You know, the people that are like, oh, there's not enough action in yeah. this movie. Maybe they would have preferred that. I am glad they didn't do that mm. because this makes a whole lot more sense <laughs> and is a lot better, more thoughtfully done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the way these movies have been sidestepping traditional Hollywood cliches has been a joy to watch. That, like, <laughs> and again, I, I know that all that credit goes to Collins, but that they have not perturbed that. That mm-hmm. they have perturbed that. Pervert, perverted that i guess is what i mean they, they they didn't have and maybe they did but they just didn't listen to him have a bunch of people going no 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 you got to change it you got to make it more of a movie that they just are letting them letting that stuff sit um and yeah I know, so, <clears throat> go, ahead, go ahead oh i was just gonna say it's just really interesting comparing this to other you know franchises that attempted you know it, it seems to be the case that whenever you are faithful to the books most of the time you have success and you're able to carry it long term. Mm-hmm. Harry Potter, at least the first two, are very faithful, uh, almost slavishly so, as as Tyler yeah. and I kind of pointed out when we, we discussed it. But like t- the Twilight movies, you know, for better or for worse, they are accurate representations of what goes on in those books. Yeah. Um, but you get stuff like Aragon or, or yeah. other examples where Percy they just— Jackson. Percy Jackson, where they feel the need to kind of just change stuff willy-nilly without any sort of thought or care as to why they're changing it. Yeah. Um, When the material's right there, and there's a reason there's a following. And, yeah. you know, I, I even remember that with that, that Alex Ryder Stormbreaker yeah. movie. Like, that movie is, like, completely different from the book, and it didn't make any sense to me as to why they, they did it the way they did it. Um, And, and you know, and not, not to say that, like, adaptation is hard. And yeah. There are a, a, a good many, you know, adaptations. They have to make changes. Like you just have to. And yeah. th- these movies do make changes. Like I said, the perspective, the shift from first person to more third person, we're cutting to different, different plots. Um, but the material's still there, and the themes yeah. are still there, and the characters are still there, and the way the yeah. characters behave and think is still there. I don't know. Well, yeah, it's, it's just interesting thinking about that, Speci- specifically with YA adaptations. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's like cutting Bombadil is a very smart move <laughs> for Fellowship, yeah. frankly. And I do not say this as a Bombadil hater, but like, let's be honest, the movie's also, already three hours. <laughs> also, a very smart move, actually finishing Game of Thrones. Hmm. Hmm. Just saying. Hmm. <laughs> but yeah, well, no adaptation. Absolutely, it's very difficult. And and what are you adapting? And there's all kinds of. It's different, literally every time. Yeah. But I think this is proof that like the this thing works for a reason and it would be so easy to kneecap all the, the revolutionary stuff and just sort of water it down. But that, that, and I like that the, again, going back to what I was saying about coin, the the revolutionaries in this are not, they're not flawless and they're not whipped into action by a speech about hope. You Mm -hmm. know, they actually have to, they have to think about, this is a very dangerous thing and and this is a this is a huge thing and a lot of people don't even really know that it's a necessary thing yeah or they don't know the 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 degrees of how necessary it is and i thought it was really impactful there there are two moments of seeing 
districts rebel without 13 there's one where a bunch of people are walking through the forest Mm -hmm. and one guy whistles the thing and i'm like it's not really a secret signal and all the bad guys know about it too um but he does the the thing and then they all just start running and getting up in the trees and the not stormtroopers just mowing them down and people are just dropping left and right and they get in the trees but then they they uh, trigger these mines that were uh underground and they blow up a bunch of the the troopers and then later when they blow up the dam, similarly, you have a bunch of people just running with these bombs or with these with these explosives. And they're just getting shot and just getting, again, just mown down. And they're dropping the thing, cases, and picking them up. And people drop one and somebody comes behind them and picks it up. And when I was watching it, my first reaction was like, this wasn't a very good plan on y'all's part. Like, you're just charging a bunch of people dying. And then I went, one, that's all they have at their disposal. And two, that shows how dedicated they are and how mm-hmm. desperate the circumstances are that they're like this is the plan we have this is what we can do there's not a way to do it without dying we don't have the resources we don't have the the time and the tools to figure out a way to sneak in and you'll disguise this person and you'll do an inflatable version of yourself to distract this <laughs> guard and you know you i don't know you quickly learn a new language like they don't have all that <laughs> that time and, and, and that they're willing to just hurl themselves into bullets so that the people behind them can get out of the way to get the bomb to the thing. It's, it was very – it started off with me being like, really? And then pretty quickly turned into me being quite moved and quite like, oh, this yeah. is this is a show of, of desperation but also faith and determination that, that I think Conviction. is pretty, pretty effective. I'm sorry? Conviction. Abs- yeah, absolutely. Um. Yeah, it's I I think this movie did a a very nice job at showing the 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 desperation on the ground, but also the the complexity and the difficulty uh-huh. behind the scenes that they have to go that that and I like that there's a, as you were saying, Tyler, that there's a movie about a revolution that is all about the the media side of it. That's like, how do we do this? How do you actually run a revolution though? It's not just stand up on a fallen statue and give a speech. There's there's yeah. there's more to it. And Jeffrey Wright made a bunch of arrows, and that was cool. Mm-hmm. I like that he got a little bit more to do. Also, President I'm... Snow blows up a hospital. Yeah. <laughs> he's a he bad man. Does. <laughs> Look, he's an agent of chaos. Yeah, I really liked um, that whole District Eight sequence was was neat. With uh, oh, what's her name, Commander ba- Baylor? Commander? Uh, I don't. Patina, to- played by Tony Award winner Patina Miller from the Sister Act musical and that revival of Pippin. Um, great, great talent. And uh, so I was, I was having seen her perform on the Tonys multiple times. It was fun to see her like all battle hardened and like with a gun. <laughs> I was like, this is great. Um, but yeah, I liked all of that. Uh, and then when Katniss is like, no, I need to go and I need to see the people in the hospital. I need to actually like be a part of this. And that it wasn't just a, no, they, I, they need to see, see that I'm doing this. They just need, which is kind of funny that Marjorie Terrell is the one filming all of it. Um, <laughs> but that she's, uh, that she's like, no, I personally need to understand the, the stakes of this. I thought was quite good. What did we think of the hanging tree song segment? 
I liked it. Thought it was neat. I did too. Yeah, and I I really just appreciate that they don't try and do any goofy editing or anything. Like they don't try and make Jennifer Lawrence sound like a perfect singer yeah. or anything. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like it's it's just kind of you know it, it feels very real the way she just kind of starts singing the song and and th- there's no pageantry to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the way it's able <clears throat> to get carried through. Um, James Newton Howard's score, and then yeah, that scene where they're they're charging the dam, and they're all yeah. kind of chanting it. Um, oh yeah, when the when the the chorale singing it is very yeah. powerful. Well, and and I like that it's not a a polished song. It sounds like a folk melody. You know what I mean? Sure. It's it's and 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 that it doesn't have like faux articulate, like precious kind of lyrics. It's it's yeah. it sounds like. An old, you know, I guess in Pan- our world it would be, yeah, Gaelic Pan- or, or something, yeah, yeah. old English folk song. You know, I think that sells it. I liked, I just liked the song. Um, and also the a, fact a, that we learned that actually it was kind of, it wasn't so genuine because Plutarch apparently changed a line of the song. Um, yeah. And had, so like it was premeditated basically like that's. Right. <clears throat> that's an interesting kind of angle on it because again yeah propaganda usually you know that's that's a bad word whenever it comes up in you know stories the you know yeah mainstream stories um and so the fact that it's like oh no we we manipulated this a little bit like this is not the the people are not seeing exactly what's happening because we right. need it to be more powerful than that we need to right. to elicit more um, and that's also what President Snow believes, and these are the tools we are using to fight each other right now. Yeah, and and it's it's kind of like the word cliche, where it's like it doesn't, or trope. Trope is the word I mean, because mm-hmm. like not all tropes are cliches. A trope is just a thing that happens a lot. Um, and and yeah, that that sometimes propaganda, very often it is used to distort your opinions and mislead you, but sometimes it is about the truth, the good truth, the honest truth isn't obvious and flashy so to make it understand understood and to make it widely accessible we have to tweak it a little bit so yes we are kind of lying and we are adjusting it but we're not we're not making a villain look like a hero we're just trying to make you understand what is heroic about this person because they are not just them being them is not is sometimes very effective but is not always going to communicate exactly what we're trying to say or the degree to which we're trying to say it um which yeah i I think is is very effectively handled one random thing i wanted to ask about um the use of uh more conventional weaponry specifically Mm -hmm. just like firearms um I did think it was an interesting touch that they don't try and create like alternate, like super futuristic guns, mm-hmm. like the weapons used in the movie, like taking aside, like uh BD builds, like the fancy crossbow and all that, um, yeah. that stuff. But just like the, the, the weapons that the capital uses, it, I, I, I'm curious if they did, if it ever popped up in like a boardroom or, you know, when they're doing the concept art or, you know, whatever it might be, if they're going, do we need to make these uh more futuristic looking yeah in terms of the weaponry um yeah. or is it supposed to hit closer to home cuz this is stuff that gets used <laughs> in real life i don't know 
that just something me, I noticed. I, d- I don't know if it's something they necessarily intended, but I think it's super effective to have the fancy armor and yeah, like the, you know, fake stormtrooper armor, like it, you know, it, lo- it yeah. looks like it's something from a hundred years from now or whatever, in terms of if it ever got to the point that people were actually using this day to day, but yeah, the guns are still very much bullets going through people's heads. <laughs> like that's, yeah. that's mm-hmm. a yeah. lot less, uh, you know, distant than mm-hmm. stormtroopers blasting with lasers and, you know, people going, ah, and <laughs> falling <laughs> yeah. off a ledge. Yeah, it is also easier to get into that world that he is explaining, I made combustible arrows. Like, here are the three arrows I made. I It's like a kind of fancy crossbow. We all know what a crossbow is. There's not a whole scene where he goes, this is a photon displacer. And what you're going to do <laughs> is attach this and, it, it, you know, all these <laughs> the ridiculous... oxygen destroyer. Exactly. <laughs> this is an EMP-tipped arrow. EMP. <laughs> <laughs> P, what's that stand for? And he explains it. And Kat just for the third time in the movie says, "That's beautiful." Because <laughs> you know, she it, says it, it twice. It does make me wonder, though. Sometimes in in these larger films, how much of the kind of weaponry that they bring in is just, oh, what does the prop department have? Sure. <laughs> like at the studio. Because yeah. <clears throat> one of the things that kind of flashed in my brain was um, the first Alien versus Predator movie. Mm. Um, because they do have some guns in that. And I remember thinking, like, did they choose that specific, like, rifle because it looks kind of like a pulse rifle from Aliens? So you're just like, it's a real gun, but it kind of looks like this thing. Just do that. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I wonder about things like that. It's just uh, it's, I, You wonder sometimes, just like with these little details, how much thought gets put into it. Or if they're yeah. just like, nah, just whatever. It's fine. <laughs> well, and I think it also... I still found the use of those firearms kind of jarring because in the previous two movies, it's been knives and spears and tridents and bows and arrows. Yeah. Still kind of fancy looking modernized versions of them, but it's been all like melee hand to hand weapons. Like I, I, and I think it, again, it helps to do, and, and I, I, I like science fiction. I like photon displacers and stuff like that. That stuff is really fun. And when that's part of the point of your world and your, your lore building, great. Let's, you know, let's do it. But I, I like that. Collins clearly had more on her mind and she was like, I, I don't need to also create a ton of, you know, I, I essentially a magic system that I can mm-hmm. just, I'm creating a political system and that's what I'm designing. And that she did come up with like the tracker jackers and, and stuff like that. Um, which I thought all of the jabber jays, all of that stuff I thought was, was cool. Those were nice, like scary things to put in the hunger games, but for the actual revolution, it's just like kids with guns, which is terrifying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or like Kids with Knives, that TV show they watch in Greener Grass <laughs> that turns their kid into a delinquent. I love that movie so much. Um, and I also like this movie. <laughs> and another thing in it that I liked is... Okay, actually, here's a genuine question. How do you guys feel about the way that Prim and Katniss's mother have been used in subsequent movies, because I would like to reemphasize that she is credited as Katniss's mother. Um, <laughs> how, how, do you feel they're not used enough? Do we get enough out of them for them to be sort of one of Katniss's emo- emotional touchstones and motivational touchstones? I think Prim more so. I think it would have been easy to forget about, or again, kind of like with Julianne Moore, uh, 
kill her mother off somewhere along the way and kind of just be mm-hmm. like prim is all she has left prim is her right. like i think it's a little more interesting that her family is still intact um because it it does leave her with more to fight for and more to yeah. care about um but also yeah, it's it, it doesn't seem like she has the strongest relationship with her mother <laughs> right <laughs> yeah well i think by virtue of just the way that the plot is set up it kind of it's easy to kind of sit the mother aside mm. um, because she is like emotionally shut down. She doesn't really, I don't know. She's not like an active part of, yeah. of Katniss's life. She's not going to be initiate a conversation of like, how was your day, sweetie? <laughs> um, that's not, that's just not how this relationship plays. Um, I, I do think they probably could have used more screen time, but I don't know. It, it's, it's hard to say. Um, yeah. I think it is one of those things where we'll have to finish the fourth movie and kind of, reevaluate that yeah sure do you remember if her mom has more to do in the books i think she has a little bit more mostly in terms of they explore katniss's backstory with her dad okay okay kind of how her mom is involved in that and i think largely in the first movie or sorry first book or so okay yeah so it's not like she has her own full character arc that was excised no. Okay. No, she she has a whole subplot of the cat escaping un- in the underground <laughs> base, and she has to go chasing after it. That's a whole right. subplot that's missing. Right. It was her slow regard of silent things moment. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I first of all, actually, I was I called them the not stormtroopers. I really like that design for their yeah their their outfits <laughs> outfits their armor um, <laughs> their ensembles. Um, I thought were were are actually pretty cool looking. Um, yeah, I was gonna. Katniss's mom, Ark, Cat, jo- Joan of Ark, Joan of Ark. Oh, I can't connect Katniss <laughs> and Joan of Ark enough. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I thought Josh Hutcherson did a nice job in this one, mm-hmm. I, I, and I like that the movie. The movie does a a good enough job of making us comfortable with like Peta is probably lying and being used. He's probably being tortured, but there's still enough of a like, mm, yeah. but is he drinking the Kool-Aid? And then I love the thing at the end when he just like jumps on Katniss and is, is attacking her. Like that's a, that's a scary moment mm-hmm. um, uh, for, for the audience and for, for Katniss. So I, I thought that was done nicely. I, uh, and apparently that like emaciated look he has was digital. Apparently they huh. just, it's pretty good. Laid that yeah, that yeah, sounds that was right. really good. I was, I was going to say they beat Marvel to the punch. <laughs> um, with uh, because uh, you know, beginning of Endgame, Iron Man's emaciated, but then again, they do have the first Captain America movie. Yeah. Nah. But that effect is dodgy. This is not sure. <laughs> what uh, a difference a decade makes, you know. Um, I I do really like the fact that immediately when that becomes a point of conflict right away, that everybody in District Thirteen is like, "We hate this guy now. He's a traitor." Um, right. and yeah. then that's a conflict of like, Gail hates him and Gail's, Gail's fully on board with the, with district 13. And it's just like, yep, he sucks. You know, we're, we're, we're well, all against him this, now. Well, especially with this kind of like revolution scenario, it's, it's like my way or the highway. That's kind of just mm-hmm. how it's naturally constructed. Um, so yeah, that's just like an interesting way to set up the conflict. Yeah. And then the fact that Gale ultimately volunteers to go save him yeah. uh, makes that 
like the most interesting thing Gale does. <laughs> Maybe in any of these movies. His his story his story about trying to save people, that was that was yeah. pretty good. Yeah. You know. And they look at a river at one point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just like it's it's not easy, but it's it's easy to write a character who's very heroic in in a, a situation where there is an opportunity to be very heroic. Sure, uh, sure. So it's a little more interesting when it's like, oh, this is some something where he's actively going against his interests a little bit because he knows that Katniss is like yeah. has a lot of attachment to PETA, if nothing else. And right. he also doesn't really like PETA because he makes it clear that he does think PETA is mm-hmm. a traitor and, and is, you know, he would never let the Capitol make him say those things. Uh, right. And so, which may be true. Uh, so it's interesting. Like, he, you know, it, Gale maybe in that position would have just like tried to kill himself or something like right because of the way that he is like yeah it it's an interesting way of approaching that that gives Gale a bit of a different edge um, mm-hmm. and also makes you thinks a little bit outside the box at least in terms of the character relationships and and in terms yeah. of the fact that the love triangle for whatever love triangle there is does not really play out at all. The, yeah. the way that you would expect it to in a YA novel. Um, yeah. Especially there's a, a part where Katniss kisses him uh, back in district 12 and he, he is not like uh, excited about this because he's like, I feel like you're doing this because you want to help hurt people. And right now I'm frustrated and hurt and you can yeah. tell, but you're, I yeah, don't think yeah, this yeah. is actually coming from a place of love right and it's it's really interesting it's like actually these are these are actual humans uh to some yeah. extent I, I think he has a line that's like being in pain is the only way to get your attention yeah or something like that yeah well and i i like that again in as much as there is actually a love triangle um i like that not only gail and Peta are very different but not it's not as simple as like well one's a blonde and one's a brunette like it's not <laughs> That they they clearly have different perspectives. They react to things differently, which means they also have different appeals to Katniss. Mm-hmm. That Katniss connects to them in different ways, and it's it makes it both more complicated to to not that you not that she has to choose between one of them, but again, in as much as this is a thing, who who is better? They both Peta's the answer. They both have their <laughs> their their pros and cons, but they also you know have their their downsides and that's also not the point but i i think it's i think it makes for a more interesting love triangle than you often get again in the imitators of of stories mm-hmm. like this and i think you know and i i don't want to just throw shade on twilight but i do think that its love triangle is sort of the thing that made people hate love triangles in YA sure. stories and they're just like oh that's all it's all edward and jacob that's all you're doing all the time and it's like I think this is also a little bit more about Katniss Katniss being torn between her home and this new life that she's found. Mm -hmm. And like, does she just want to stay Katniss from district 12 or does she want to be the Mockingjay? Like there's, it actually has a little more narrative consequence. And I think it's just a little more inherently interesting. Mm -hmm. Well, it also helps that not every scene is, uh, the camera circling around Peta and Gail arguing with each other and Katniss like (laughs) trying to get in the middle being like, I know I'm the cause of all of this and I'm actually kind of like making things worse every time I hang out with either of you. (laughs) Um, Also, Gail, why are you shirtless right now? What's up with that? There's Um, also, there's not a lot of scenes where they end up that all three of them are like, are there any scenes where all three of them are together? Gail's knocked out in the scene where, uh, 
Peta and her are talking and catching fire, and he's it, this is after he's been flogged, and mm-hmm. Peta's like, oh, "I'll watch him yeah. if you want to go out and get snow right. for for his back." That's the yeah, only time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. And they just hear, "Not Peta." <laughs> Oh man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Huh. And also Gail is shirtless because he's a werewind and he, <laughs> to, the clothes would get damaged. <laughs> you know, I wonder if there is something to that though in terms of <laughs> making a, a, a love triangle bearable. You don't have like your two your two competing parties just like constantly arguing with each other. Yeah. Yeah. That's and actively things. competing. Like they're, they're not really even competing with each other. They're, they're both kind both of there. And they're both kind of resigned to the fact that they have no control over what yeah. Katniss chooses. And like yeah. they, well, Gail in particular can, you can tell he's starting to realize like he's, they don't, they're just not really the same people they were before she left in the first movie. And you can see him slowly being more and more like sad about this. I mean, like I am, I am resigned to the fact that I think I've already lost her. Um, it's pretty interesting. Uh, yeah. And I, and I think it, it helps that Katniss doesn't put, or, and, and that the writers and Susan Collins don't put an unnecessary amount of focus on that. That she does care about, and it's more, I, I, I get from this less that she's like, who do I love and who do I want to go out with? And that it's more about, I don't want to damage my relationships with, with these two people. That like, having this closeness with PETA is damaging my relationship with Gail, but I don't want it to because it shouldn't be. And mm-hmm. that like, it's, she is not constantly ignoring the real threat and the real stakes just to pine and moan and 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 wonder about which of these boys she's going to kiss that it's actually yeah. like again it's a genuine human worry about like all of this is crashing around me and i also want my friendships to be solid and they're not and some of that is tied up in romance and some of that is just tied up in the the stakes of where we're at yeah um which i, I think is just effective um i do think that making gail a wind elemental would be pretty pretty good sure <laughs> Sure. Uh, although Which, we probably wouldn't be getting anything out of him unless it was just scary wind sounds we were mm-hmm. after. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I did want to uh, talk about one last thing, which is that I think for me, Jennifer Lawrence's performance kind of swings back up a bit. Again, I didn't think mm-hmm. she was bad in the last one, but I feel like this one puts some of the focus back on her and allows her to really work and shine. And she gets put into a lot more situations that are a lot more awful. Again, we talked about the how fun it is to see her doing a bad acting performance yeah. on purpose but also um having her reactions to like president snow taunting her basically the whole time like he does with the all the the roses uh that he drops yeah. in the bomb um and then also her talking to snow and trying to like put on a brave face and be like hey i want to talk to you and i'm i'm stalling you but i'm not going to tell you that i'm stalling you and then he's like yeah. i actually know everything all the time and uh <laughs> you know i i i, t- I wanted all of this to happen and then she and then she immediately loses her mind and is like oh god i've lost both gail and Peta. this yeah. i'm this is terrible um yeah i i think there's some really effective stuff there and a lot we spend to me it, it feels like we spend a lot more time in her head in this movie than the last one yeah 
Um, yeah. Yeah, also, no, she's she's wonderful in this. Also, we didn't really talk about the bunker scene, which is horrifying and claustrophobic. Oh, they're all, yeah. They're all hiding while Snow is bombing. Oh, the, God, uh, yeah. And Prim goes back to get the cat. Mm-hmm. Gotcha, cat. Um, yeah. Yeah, I did, I, I did like that. And the lights keep flickering on and off. Yeah, that was that was good. And, and and I like that they were able to get drama out of that without using, again, taking up time. Like, now we're just going to show a bunch of bombs hitting the ground. It's like, we yeah. just need the sound. We, we know how to do this. Well, it's very, I mean, again, the how the entire movie is, is very much about the nuances of revolution and resistance. Yeah. And that is very evocative of like the London bombings, World War II. Mm, like there, there's sure. a lot of stuff that I think it pulls from to create something that doesn't feel like a very straightforward adaptation of some historical thing that happened just to fit into this story. It, it, it feels like it's right. taking elements of like, this is kind of how this would develop in this particular world based right. on real world events. It's very interesting. I, yeah, yeah, I agree. I liked it a lot. Definitely. Well, anything else to touch on or shall we shall we grade this sucker? I think I'm good. <laughs> what are y'all giving it? Uh I'll I'll go first since I'll probably give it the lowest grade. I'm gonna give it a B minus. Um and like I said, uh this could change uh given how however the the next film kind of shakes out but i did feel like it was stretched out a bit um it lacked kind of that visual flair that we discussed um that the last couple of movies had just by virtue of the stories they were telling and i i do have concerns that i'm going to ultimately go should have just made it a three-hour movie called mocking jay sure. and call it a day didn't mean for that to rhyme b minus <laughs> Uh, I'm gonna do a minus. I was I was hovering around either B plus or A minus, but uh, talking about it put me back up to an A. I think it does a lot of things well. And also go- A minus because there's not a lot of Mahershala Ali, and hoping that'll fix in the last one. <laughs> uh, I think I'm gonna go A, um, which is higher than I gave either the other two. I I. It, and maybe maybe a lot of it is just how different this is from a lot of the movies we get to talk about. Yeah. And so it rises up for me. It does. I mean, it's not perfect, it, but uh, I really adore the fact that this movie is so willing to just be like, yep, this, this is what we're doing. This is yeah. what this is oh, about. Definitely. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, it's not as exciting as the others, and it's probably not as exciting as the fourth one either. But um yeah, I I was completely just like fully invested the entire time this was on, which I don't even know if I can really say for the last couple. I don't know. Yeah, well, and especially because this was a this was a movie theater release. This wasn't like part of a of a series that you're streaming on Netflix, and so you're like, oh, this one was slower, but I know the next one's right after. Right. That people are like paying to go see the next installment in this huge franchise. And that they're like, great, we're glad you're here. So now let's go to C-SPAN for an hour. <laughs> like, and that, not that the not to, this movie is not boring. Clearly, I don't think that. But that 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 is a not a risk a lot of studios would take mm-hmm. on on their big franchises. It's like, no, you got to escalate every time. You got to get bigger and bigger. And and I like that this one went. 
we're we're gonna set it up. We're gonna make it pay off, and we're gonna actually talk about some stuff, which I which I liked. Um, I mentioned Corey Dot earlier, and uh, I am actually recommending one of his movies this week. I have been rewatching a movie of his I've already seen called Our Little Sister. Uh, much like we've been discussing, Corey Dot is a, a director who is very good at filming simple places very beautifully. He's very good at filming people just living their lives and just being people and having conversations. Um, this uh, He actually got started as a documentarian, so that's probably why. Hmm. Um, or he made a lot of documentaries. I don't know if that was how he started. But the movie is a very simple premise where the these three adult uh, women who are all sisters, their f- estranged father who had, you know, he was a, a philanderer and had all these problems, has passed away. And when they go to his funeral, they meet uh, his... Their, I think, 15-year-old half-sister who they end up inviting to come back and live with them. And from there, the movie just kind of it, – it's not a hangout movie, but it has that kind of vibe of we are just going to watch these characters live their lives and live their lives as a family, live their lives as individuals, their love lives, their careers, their relationships with each other. And it's – very charming it's beautiful to look at without being flashy like we were talking about earlier it's there are just moments where like in the middle of a shot i would go oh wow this is just really beautifully framed like this is just like people like standing by a window but it, it it's so beautifully pictured like this is such a gorgeous image all the performances are terrific um a couple of <clears throat> cory Dawes like stalwart actors kieran kiki and lily frankie are in it in smaller roles but the all four of the sisters are fantastic. Um, and it's really just a movie that you get to sit and watch really endearing characters live their lives for two hours. It doesn't, it, it, there is a story. It does progress everything, but there are plenty of scenes that are just like them talking about their day, you know? And I, Corey Dawes movies can be a little slow as a result of that, but I find it ultimately it works because these are just, really engaging people and it's like i'm not really worried about how you're using it because i'm just enjoying this beautiful house you live in and you likable people just kind of talking I, I like watching that um i don't know that it's streaming anywhere but it's definitely worth renting however you you do that uh i love it it's easily one of my favorite of his movies and he's one of my favorite directors if that says anything and it's called our little sister so katniss would probably like it <laughs> she loves movies about sisters <laughs> little women <laughs> little women sister act uh white oleander maybe i don't know Al- alex do you have a recommendation uh kind of uh so my my xbox one which is primarily how i uh, view uh my streaming stuff uh the disc drive has stopped functioning properly oh, no. so no. i am actually uh going through the process of like taking it apart and trying to fix it myself uh that's a fun process. Is uh, it a recommendation yeah. the YouTube videos you've been watching to repair your disc? <laughs> I did consider that. <laughs> um, but in in the meantime, since I can't get my uh, crime show fix that is uh-huh. The Wire, still really good from where I stopped up, off in uh, season three now, uh, I, I started watching my uh, totally legal and legitimate uh, Blu-ray set of Daredevil. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Daredevil's awesome. <laughs> this this is the 
the Marvel TV show. The Marvel. This is the DC Daredevil. <laughs> this is the TV show, not the movie, right? Correct. It's the Netflix show. Yeah. Nice, nice. Starring uh, uh, Palux or whatever from this movie. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Who is also one of the Smash Brothers, Bash Brothers from uh, the Mighty Ducks movie. <laughs> nice. How super, super are those are those Bash Brothers? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I did not realize this, but apparently the him and uh, Wes Chatham, the twins, are named at, like what Callum and Pollux. They're named after the twin brothers of Helen of Troy. Yeah, so. it's Castor and Pollux, I think. Castor and Pollux. There you yes. go. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, interesting. But yeah, Tyler, in, oh. in lieu of a recommendation, hopefully my Xbox will be fixed yeah. next week. There you go. N- none of these problems actually affected like my streaming capabilities. Like I could put this back together and like start watching HBO Max or whatever, but I just kind of wanted to sit there. I've still got some tools that I need to actually like sure. open it up mm-hmm. uh, that yeah, are on Al- order. Alex got but... his Xbox and he put it on like a on like a rack and he, he slid underneath it and he's been tinkering. <laughs> Gets onto a well, Zoom call. He's wiping grease off his it's, face. It's it's far less efficient than just working on it at a table. Yeah, but you now, know Alex, you're you're a real grease monk. How how you think my PS4 would look if I you know smoothed look, out the hood, made a real rod out of her? Look, I've got the hanging tree set up. It's got a whole rope pulley system going on. It's got all the different parts. It, it's a thing. Um, it's amazing because I t- I typically think that I I take good care of of like my 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 equipment and mm-hmm. and like my gaming systems and like all of my my discs and stuff. There are so much dust and yep. stuff oh, yeah. that just gets in there, and you'd think they'd build a better system so it doesn't do that. Yeah. And- it doesn't. <laughs> Alex takes his car and he get worked on. He's like, yeah, you know, I was working on the old Xbox the other day and I feel like it's kind of transferable knowledge. Well, the funny thing is, like, I'm not a handyman at all. I'm not used to taking things apart. Like, I would be the person that would be that would, you know, I would just take it to the store to get it fixed or whatever. But for some reason, I don't know if it's because this Xbox is already used. Mm. So it's not like a brand new thing or it's like mm, I bought yeah. this full price. So I have like this extra inherent value in it um for some reason i've taken it upon myself to be like no i'm gonna take out that disc drive i'm gonna clean it up it's gonna be good i think it's i think it's cool i think it's good that you're 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 learning the skill see see alex they did build a better console uh it's called the ps5 or the xbox series x and you can buy it never because they're not available anywhere um (laughs) my recommendation this week which i forgot to make last week uh and i should have and it, it just slipped my mind um is uh inside bo burnham's new netflix oh, special sure um because did, britain did you end up watching this i know we discussed it i've not gotten to it yet but I it will. it is uh uh dark it is it is uh pretty uh it, it's definitely the most heavy of the three that he's made because he also made what and make happy make happy might be like one of my favorite productions yeah, ever of anything film you know, yeah. TV, what, like, I, I, I adore that thing and I've watched it so many times. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, also really enjoy this one. Uh, it's, it is depressing. Uh, it is, I guess I'll say it is political for whatever that word still means when people use sure. it for things. We used it in this episode, so whatever. Um, <laughs> but in the sense that, like, it is, about the things that we have been dealing with collectively as uh, humanity during a pandemic that affected yeah. everybody. Uh, and it, it is about those things. It's about, you know, dealing with 
your mental health during those times um it's it's almost not like we're we're what or make happy i can watch those and be like i am i am just full of joy after this like that was such an amazing experience oh my gosh i you know and i want to go do something creative like this is very much oh well that really uh that really got to me i'm gonna sit here and think about that for a while and uh you know go eat some ice cream <laughs> like it's it's a very different experience i would say um so keep that in mind if you if you haven't watched it and you're on the fence wait wait for a time it is funny it is it is very funny i think um but wait for a time when there is a uh when you feel like you can deal with something that's a little bit maybe a little more uh bojack horseman than uh <laughs> the office <laughs> sure that's <laughs> those, are, that's a, those, are, those are weird shows to compare i wanted to find another good com- <laughs> A little more Bojack Horseman than Family Guy, you know? <laughs> um, anyway, uh, it does, I think, have my... F- maybe... I mean, I need to let it soak a little more, so this could be a hyperbolic claim. It might have my favorite song of his that Ooh. he's done in any of these specials. Um, there's there's one that I think is just brilliant and almost not even funny. Like, it's just... It's kind of grim, and and I think it just works really well in it. Okay. A thing that summarizes a lot of feelings I have. Um, so yeah, uh, Inside on Netflix by Bo Burnham. Also, yeah, Bo, I, I, Bo gets Bo really plays with the facial hair in this one, so you got that to look forward <laughs> to. Yeah, I every time I go on to Netflix, I'm like, oh, I it's not. I'm not. I'm not there mm-hmm. yet. I, mm-hmm. I I'm looking at that clock and I'm I'm checking in with me and I ooh, it is not the time. But I'm very excited to see it because I love him very much. Oh, that's exciting. I feel bad that I didn't like it very much. Did you actually? Did you finish it? I will. I will say Alex was in the room and fell asleep. This was this is early in the morning one day, um, and we were just like, it Let's wasn't watch it. necessarily because I I wasn't liking sure. it, but I don't think that helped. Sure. Um, I I did think the parts that I watched were did did have very funny moments. I think mm-hmm. all the songs, as as typical with Bo Burnham, really really work. Um, I found it way too self-indulgent and I, I won't say necessarily quote unquote political Tyler to your, to your point. Um, but I, I don't know the, the way that he was handling kind of, uh, kind of the introspective, uh, stuff versus kind of the culture and, and reacting to COVID and everything that's happened in the past year or so, uh, I found kind of frustrating and, and a little pretentious, which he does kind of call out, that he's being pretentious, it, but at the same time, he's still indulging in and, it. So I found it kind of frustrating. And I'm glad you mentioned that because I think the, the other two specials of his feel like they're coming to kind of a catharsis of some sort. And you're, you kind of finish and you're like, all right, he's he's worked through something here. I've really, you know, gotten to like that yeah. that big finale. Oh, man, that was amazing. And, and we you know, I've I've been on this journey with him. And this one, I think, is a lot more like he doesn't have any answers anymore for, for the things he is feeling. And mm-hmm. so there's, there is a lot of him just like questioning himself and what he's doing and, and whether it's worth it. Uh, and, and there, I would say it doesn't really resolve that in a way that is satisfying, which is why I'd say it's a little darker. Um, it's just kind of like, he raises a lot of questions and they're hard questions and that's where he's at. And he, yeah. he can't fix his own brain um, as none sure. of us can. So, yeah, I, I think that is a a fair read on it as well. Man, I just I'm with you, Alex. Man, give me a Jeff Dunham any day. <laughs> That's, love that, love that guy. Yep. 
he 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 says things I I couldn't say. <laughs> Alex, where's I don't Bob think, Saget? I, Tyler, take us away. I don't How can think they find that you us? are a Jeff Dunham apologist, by the way, Alex. I just want to qualify that. Oh yeah, that's yeah, that's that's one of my big uh, passions is defending. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeff Dunham. That's like that's, <laughs> how has that not come up before? It, it, it so aligns up with your personality. <laughs> and episode 245 of this podcast has been running for five plus years. We're going to talk about our favorite white comedians. <laughs> uh, All right. Man, how many Norm MacDonald references can I fit in 60 <laughs> seconds? I was going to say, inevitably, this conversation will go to Norm MacDonald. Uh, anyway. Yeah. Um, you can find us online at herecomethesequels.blogspot.com. You can find us on Twitter at HTTSequels. You can email us at herecomethesequels at gmail.com. Um, we're on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud. And yeah, uh, just give us a search. We're out there. Oh, yeah. Here Come yeah, the Sequels am... is out there. Yeah, I am really, really excited uh, to start uh, well, and also finish uh, part two of Mockingjay. I have it, this franchise. Uh, I've said this before has really snuck up on me, so I am mm-hmm. stoked to see what is uh, what is in store for the finale, and then what's in store for us. We, what are we doing next? You'll find out later on. Here come the sequels, brought to you by me. I've been Britain. I've been Alex. I've been Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> That Katniss, what a battle axe. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you're, you're having a good night. <laughs> <laughs>